0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Lintesta, and this is our show for the week of July 9th, the week which culminates with Saturday's celebration of Bastille Day in France on the 14th, of course. You'll recall the story that says the French Revolution started when Marie Antoinette said, Let them eat cake. What is less known is the man who said, Sounds good to me, one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's
1: it going? I my cookbooks. You really should give me more warning about that. This was seven <laughs> layers. I mean, you know, you, 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 exactly, can't, exactly. you can't rush through something like that.
0: I was actually having this cake conversation yesterday with Laurel. We're walking through New York, and you know how like lots of things in New York get hyped because a there are so many people here, and b that's where a lot of the media is. So like places like Magnolia Bakery or Levain Bakery, which are you know famous for their baked goods, they get all kinds of you know national attention. I actually think that amarets patisserie is better than both of them in disney springs
1: but it it doesn't get the hype i think in a weird sort of way part of the reason there is when it's 1200 degrees out it's like your first thoughts aren't oh i really would like some cake right about now
0: seven layers of icing yes that's what i want yes yeah.
1: but no they do wonderful work there
0: yeah they just don't get the national recognition of some of the other places and i think it's it's all proximity to major metropolitan centers i mean Orlando's not a small city But if Emirates was in New York It'd be a whole other ballgame
1: Have you ever seen that sort of Mickey bomb thing that they do The sort of round dome cake Oh yeah, it's beautiful I look at it, and again, I'm a diabetic, so, you know, just sometimes I worship from afar. Yeah. <laughs> I love the look of this. I love the design of it. I just can't picture carrying it out into the world or destroying what looks lovely, you know. Oh, just I have no,
0: no compulsion about that, Jim. That would be not a problem for me.
1: Okay, it's well. It's designed
0: to be eaten. All right, Jim, a couple of news items. First, we have reported last month on some land clearing happening behind the Japan Pavilion, in Epcot. And Mm. I think you had said that this possibly might be for new drone show?
1: Yeah, well, Epcot, we are entering that window of time where they aren't kidding around about this new nighttime show.
0: So a permit was filed yesterday Mm -hmm. for construction in the area around this land. The project is named C1. Don't know what it means, but look for some activity to start happening on that land imminently, if not sooner. All right. We'll, we'll know soon enough what it is, right? hmm Yep. If it's a drone building, if it's another Walmart, if it's a 7-Eleven. <laughs> also, Jim, big news. Mm-hmm. I have visited Toy Story Land. I was there the day before opening day.
1: And?
0: It's lovely. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's my impression of it. It's bigger and more detailed than I expected it to be. The mm-hmm. tinker toy effects, the lighting effects, the little nods to toys all around the land are more well done than I expected. So you've seen the, uh, you've no doubt seen the online photos now of the land benches that are done like dominoes and uno cards and things like that. Really looks good when you're in the land. I like that quite a bit. There's more detail than I expected. The rides, Slinky Dog, and Alien Swirling Saucers are, I think, at opposite ends of the spectrum for me is in terms of uh, what I think of when I try and uh, envision good rides for the park. So I think Slinky Dog is actually a a very good addition to the studios. The studios have kind of always been known not to have very many kid-friendly rides, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you think think about it, the only really kid-friendly ride in the whole park prior to Toy Story Land was was Toy Story Media, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, everything else had a fairly high height requirement or may have been too scary for kids. So, you know, Slinky Dog comes in, it's what a 38 inch height requirement, which is basically like a three to five year old. It's a fun ride. It's got more excitement in it than I anticipated. It's also a slightly longer ride than I imagined. There's no loops or anything like that. It's, It's basically steep banked turns, some mild acceleration and a bunch of hills and valleys, but perfect, a perfect like second roller coaster for kids. The thing that I loved about it is the uh, is the theming. There's the second launch point, about halfway through the ride, where you stop and you're going to go through a set of arched signs that say, go, 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 go. And I think you've seen these in the videos, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about them is to either side are these plastic addition symbols, so plus symbol shaped spinning things. So imagine a cylinder, but instead of it's a cylinder, it's shaped like a, a plus sign from above. And on each of the sides is a plastic flame effect. So remember when you had like Hot Wheels sets from the 70s, they couldn't actually spit out flames. So what they had was stickers of flames that spun around to simulate flickering fire. And they've reproduced these in the ride and it's a nice nod to sort of like 70s era toys in them. And I I, I like that kind of detail. But it's a fun ride. I really like Slinky Dog quite a bit. I was on the one of the last preview rides on Friday before it poured, mm-hmm. and this brings up an interesting point. There's no shade, Jim, in Toy Story Land. There is no shade in Toy Story Land. Yeah, so like, there's no crying in baseball. There is no shade in Toy Story Land.
1: If you go to the Alien Swirling Saucer now, that attraction is actually undercover. Uh, it which is. is. Alien Swirling Saucer comes off of the back of the success of Mater's Junkyard Jamboree at Carson. Exactly the
0: same ride. I yeah. mean, it,
1: it substitutes swa- saucers for trucks. Yeah. But yet again, if you remember the, the Disney California Adventure version of this attraction, it's open to the sky because, of course, it's Southern California. Yeah. And, you know, it rains, what, you know, once? Yeah.
0: It doesn't it doesn't rain nearly as often as Florida where you can schedule your watch by it every afternoon.
1: So they put that one under cover, but you're saying that's a less satisfying experience than, than Slinky Dog or Here's
0: the here's the thing about it. When I was on it and again this was a preview day when there weren't regular guests in, Laurel and I were the only two people in line. Maybe the ride was half full. So they had no it was not like there was a pressing need to get us on and off the ride. The mm-hmm. cycle time of the ride, the, the entire duration of the ride, was about a minute. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm told they can actually vary the length of the ride mm-hmm. from about 90 seconds all the way down to 30 seconds, depending on how the crowds are around the park. So the mm-hmm. median time seems to be around 75 minutes, 75 mm-hmm. seconds, sorry. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a lot of entertainment for more than, like, a you know, for a 20- or 30-minute wait. Like, if I if I waited an hour for a 30-second ride, I would be upset.
1: One of the fun things about Madar's Junkyard Jamboree out in California is as you're standing in line, they have this catalog of six or seven different songs that... Larry the cable guy has recorded that are, are genuinely funny and genuinely <laughs> entertaining. So, as you're sitting there and you're watching other people experience the attraction, you also, there's the added value of Mater sort of talking to the people in line and as cute as the little green alien guys are. And it's not the same thing. In fact, that one of the knocks I've heard about the attraction is while it has a wonderful lighting package and uh, music and sound, but it's just, it's strictly audio. There are no words. There are no. There's no additional real additional entertainment value as you're standing there. Yeah. Coupled with the short ride time, probably doesn't deliver the goods in the way that that people had hoped.
0: No, I don't think that that's a great addition to the uh, the park. The good news is, mm-hmm. just the uh, land's been open for a little bit less than a week, as we record this. The wait times have generally been one third to one half mm-hmm. of the posted waits. So your actual wait in line is substantially less than. The post weights. In fact, today as we're recording this, the wait times for the rides are
1: well under 50 minutes already, and it's middle of the week, so that's good. Especially when you consider on opening day, the line stretched all the way back to the ABC commissary, and I think at one point there was a 300-minute wait for Slinky yeah. Dog. And again, so.
0: 300 is the is the highest number that Disney prints for those signs, <laughs> uh, so it may have been more, but it's, it seems to have moderated uh. now. It'll it'll be high for the summer. I'm sure there are some people who plan their visit to the studios around that, but I wouldn't be scared off by any of the posted wait times right now.
1: One line that has not dropped is the line for the Lunchbox restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Two-hour wait for food Yeah, uh, over the weekend. In hindsight, maybe just the two windows wasn't That's the That's way- the
0: thing. It's a tiny, tiny takeaway place. You're right, two registers. The seating area is, is actually fairly large for what it is, but mm-hmm. they could have easily doubled that, especially with Galaxy's Edge coming up next year. Mm-hmm. If this is really going to be the uh, the place that people leave Galaxy's Edge and come through, a lot of them will probably be hungry as they do it. funniest thing was, I was, so I'm doing this this preview event, and mm-hmm. the three big food items on the menu are the brisket sandwich, the Monte Cristo and then the Chachos. Mm-hmm. I, I asked a media rep, you know what it was? It was like this sounds like tater tots and nachos, and she looked me like dead in the eye and did air quotes and said, "These potato barrels are covered." <laughs> so like tater tots is a copyrighted word. We're not going to use any of this in our marketing. <laughs> yeah. mm. It's these potato barrels covered in nachos, and yeah. So anyway, that's that's what it is. It was very funny, but she looked me. Straight
1: in the eye, was super serious, smiled a little bit as she said it, made the air quotes and everything. It was great. The week previous, we saw phase one of Pixar Pier open, you know, out at Disney's California Adventure. Yeah. And can I, I say phase one because you know that you know, just coincidentally the rides, Jesse's Critter Carousel, and the emotional whirlwind. I guess I don't know why they didn't call that the Mood Swings, Jim. I, same thing. I, I love, same but thing. But, <laughs> you but yeah, that missed, missed opportunity
0: here. But all right,
1: but that can got kicked down the road now.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: But if you look at that, how many different food? Concessions opened at Pixar Pier. Oh, geez. Yeah, between the lamplighter lounge. Five? And, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of these things where it's like, you know, speaking of long lines, you know, one of the longest lines uh, at California Adventure, you know, uh, th- throughout the opening weekend, of this thing was the line for the Cookie Num Num, the Jack Jack themed cookie yeah. that, that was available on the pier. I just don't get how it is in California. That you can open four different food and recognizing that this is a theme park, this is going to be a popular land, we should have lots of food opportunities, and yet you just go with the single lunchbox set up and the, only the two windows for uh, for Toy Story Land. I mean, I, I just don't get that. I don't understand how it is that... You're opening two Pixar-themed things within the same window of time. And, well, people in Florida, they don't eat food. It's, it's really well known. <laughs> it's too hot to eat. It's <laughs> too hot to eat. Two windows are fine. I'm
0: not sure. And we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, as the as the year goes on. But mm-hmm. given that there were people lining up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be first in Toy Story Land, and, and even now, I mean, a week a week you know after it's open, there are people that are lining up at 6 a.m., mm-hmm to get into Toy Story Land when it opens. I don't know that the park has the capacity to handle crowds for Galaxy's Edge. Like at this point, I think we all realize that if Disney doesn't change its park opening procedures, the park will be overrun every day for Galaxy's Edge. At least, you know, for the first month it's open because don't forget it's opening as soon as school gets out, right? So, at least for a couple of weeks, you'll have people lining up as, as soon as possible. I'm I'm concerned that Unless Disney changes their operating procedures, most people won't be able to get in the park. But we'll save that for another time. Let's okay. uh, let's take a break, Jim. You've got uh, you've got an interesting survey question about theme park names that was sent in by a reader. Talk about that yes, after the break. And we're back, Jim. Uh, about a week ago, we had a uh, listener named Lucy send us in a survey question that she had recently received. And the, the question is interesting because it asks the following. Which of these names for theme parks is most likely to belong to Universal? And the five choices were Epic Worlds, Legendary Worlds, Legendary Lands, Dream Park, and Fantastic Worlds. So first of all, is this a Universal survey? And two, what's the reasoning behind it? Why does Universal care about names for theme parks?
1: Let's start with that fourth name, Dream Park. Dream Park. That's significant because remember, back in April of 2016, NBC Universal paid $3.8 billion for DreamWorks Animation. And we've seen over these past two years now. Mm hmm. Universal Parks and Resorts, very serious about bringing these characters, uh, get featured in the the various DreamWorks films, these franchises into the parks. Uh, November of last year, we saw Universal Florida debut their brand new Universal Holiday Park featuring Macy's, which those last two words featuring Macy's basically are hanging out there to be sawed off when the Macy's deal falls off. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, this featured full-size floats, as well as enormous inflatables that paid tributes to the characters from DreamWorks Shrek and Madagascar, and then we jumped coast earlier this year during the Lunar New Year celebration, Universal Studios Hollywood, introduced a Kung Fu Panda themed meet and greet where people could go to Mr. Ping's noodle shop and first they get to talk with Poe's adoptive dad and then they they can get their picture taken and this was only supposed to run from uh, February 10th through the 25th as part of uh, the celebration of the year of the dog but it was so ridiculously popular that they just this past week reopened it on the upper lot at that theme park. I
0: was gonna say yeah it's still it's still running
1: so uh, so they brought it back. Yeah it's not a coincidence that they bring back Mr. Ping's Noodle Shop because, of course, back on June 15th, we saw the opening of the DreamWorks Theater there. And that's where the brand new Kung Fu Panda Emperor's Quest 4D film debuted. In fact, my daughter Alice was there yesterday. They were doing a, a media event. They're, they're bringing in butterbeer ice cream. For the the summer at that theme park in the Wizarding World, so you can now get that at the Three Broomsticks and various. <laughs> it's one of the best
0: the best quotes you ever had was when when they launched it in Florida. You called it like coming out with a new flavor
1: of crack. I- <laughs> Said, in fact, you know, that's the funniest th- things you ever said. <laughs> uh, Alice was ridiculously impressed at this, this wonderful light, smooth ice cream. And, and while she was there for the event, she also got over to the DreamWorks Theater and rode the Emperor's Quest and was talking about how it's a moving theater seat thing. But there's a sequence where Poe's on the River with Shifu and they're going through these rapids and just it, she was really impressed with the, the movement of the seats and all that. So of course, this sort of thing debuts as a replacement for Shrek 4D. So the question is, are we going to see the Shrek 4D that's at Universal Studios Florida get replaced?
0: Yeah, because the Shrek 4D attraction has been rumored to
1: close now for more than a year, right? Universal Parks and Resorts is being very tight-lipped, in fact. But it's not the only thing they're being tight-lipped about. Paul Brinkman of the Orlando Weekly, in the past week or so, happened to be out driving around by the the Orange County Convention Center and found himself over by all that land that Universal bought in December 2015 and then they picked up another chunk on October of last year and Paul as he's driving up Destination Parkway by this 600 plus acre slot of land couldn't help but notice that There are bulldozers on this land. There are dump trucks on this land. And not only that, Universal has ringed the site with chain link fence and Mm -hmm. they've built an access road land. I noticed that. So I I
0: went uh, back and forth to the convention center a bunch Mm -hmm. last
1: week Mm -hmm.
0: and noticed that it's a, an interesting thing about the paved road is it's the paved road in the middle of a construction zone.
1: Well, that's it exactly.
0: That's what makes it interesting that it's so obviously in the middle of all the dirt that you're Mm -hmm. like, I wonder what
1: that's for. Okay, so we have a paved road, not a dirt road, a paved road going into all of this land that Universal Parks and Resorts has acquired. So MCA officially breaks ground on the Universal Studios Florida project back in March of 1987 and the 107-acre theme park that would eventually open to the public on June 7th, 1990. Jump ahead to December of 1996, Universal opens its $150 million dollar Parking structure and transportation center. This was the first phase. was five stories tall, fourteen football fields long, had room for uh, nine thousand cars. What was really interesting about the design is they could park three thousand cars an hour, which yeah, is incredible, it, it, yeah. incredible. But again, that had to be built before they could get serious about taking the old Universal Studios. Florida parking lot and turning that into islands and the hotels and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that park opens May of 1999. So, all right, if we do the math here, we have the groundbreaking of Universal Studios Florida, March of 1987, and the grand opening is, is June of 1990. So that's 27 months. Mm-hmm. And all right, if we look at Universal Creative, when they finally got serious about building Isles of Adventure, that's January of 97. And then the park opens in May of 99. That's 29 months? So if we split the difference here, that's 28 months. Two years and four months. Two years and four months that it takes Universal, on average, to build a theme park. And and let's not talk about Volcano Bay. I know they want us to say it's a water theme park. It's a water park, okay? It's a water park. It's a water park. A, it's it's a a Paul, so Paul notices this, and you notice this, Len. But all right, so if we do 28 months, that puts us October 2020.
0: Late 2020, which I will point out, late 2020 is just before Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary
1: in 2021. Yeah, yes, and we know from every part of the company that's leaking about this that it's a year-long celebration. The Disney company is Getting in bed with all sorts of corporate partners to, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the opening of Walt Disney World. And so it's this year long look back at the glorious past of the Walt Disney World Resort. And leave it to Universal to be opening their brand new park? Oh. <laughs> we're all right. Not 50 years old, we're brand new. Come we're brand us. new. And, and more to the point, if this is in fact based on the IP that that we've been hearing about, that is, this is heavily into Nintendo. We have the gamers who have grown up and are now gaming with their children. So if if this, in fact, is the park that celebrates gaming, I mean, just to to have it open in the same window, the year that Disney's looking backwards and, oh, hey, remember the Mickey Mouse review? And it's like, "Ah, screw that. Come ride Mario. Yeah. Bring your kids and play Mario Kart in real life. This is going to get really, really, really interesting, Len. Wow. So I guess, again, to double back to the the info that Lucy was nice enough to share with us, are we looking at a park called Universal's Epic Worlds, Universal's Fantastic Worlds, Universal's Legendary Worlds, which, again, when you consider, you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of see it.
1: Or, you know, are they going to go the Disneyland route? You know, the Universal's Legendary Lands. I mean, if it were me, I would pull for Universal's Dream Park largely because as just a personal thing, I want to go to Burke. I want to (laughs) go to, to, I want to hang out with Hiccup and Toothless. I want to go to to where they... If um, they
0: go with Dream Park, I wonder if that would prevent Disney from using the word dreams in their <laughs> marketing material no it might right i mean oh, it could just take a word out of the vocabulary aren't they down to like three now i mean you've still got magic family wishes wonder. but it would, it would take, yeah. dreams,
1: take, take dreams take uh, dreams out of the inventory wow out of it yeah
0: i wonder what that would do so jim how will we know that construction is progressing on this 600 acre lot is
1: it satellite photos is it construction permits what are we looking for over the next few months here to be honest you're building in florida so you I remember when Disney was building Sunset Boulevard and they were getting ready to build tower and they actually had to let the site rest for three to six months because again this is Florida the home of the sinkhole yeah and it, so it's it's going to be interesting to see they're doing site prep now they're grading my understanding is that they in sort of kind of what the what's also going on, at crossroads that you know you have to build these giant retention ponds because again it's florida rain water you know that sort of thing so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see where they are in the site prep is this the just strictly site clearing leveling the land when we we know they're getting serious when around that paved road we'd start to see conduit going in we start to see Ah, plumbing plumbing, things like that yeah i would suggest it's quite likely we will see them let the site rest for three to four months and then sometime after the first of the year or that sort of thing we'll we'll start to see serious construction but anybody who's keeping eyes on permits let us know what you see because this is going to get interesting very very soon and there's a part of me that just kind of feels bad for Disney, because uh, speaking of permits, did you see that Disney has filed some permits related to Galaxy's Edge that actually bear out what we said—that this isn't going to open till December of two thousand nineteen?
0: No. Uh, what were the? I know that they had a, a permit now describing the shape of the building that's going to be the Star Wars Hotel. Is that, is that the one?
1: Well, these are associated more with the park side, but evidently the the ones that came down basically narrow the window of time. For the opening for the, the Orlando version of, of Batuu to, you know, the late, late, late part of 2019. And so it's like if Universal's looking to open its brand new park in 2020, Disney really wanted that window of time where, hey, come yeah. see our new. Oh, yeah, they got a new park, too. OK.
0: <laughs> well, Disney will have December of 2019. They could, they could have potentially almost an entire year with their exclusivity but then after that it'll be a competition thing. There you go. Fantastic. Well thanks very much Lucy for sending in that uh, survey question. To the rest of our listeners if you happen to get any interesting surveys from Disney or Universal or any other theme park please send along screenshots if you can. You've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Gmail. Don't forget where you're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes, Stitcher and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim this is Len we will see you on the next show.